And good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you guys, and it's really, really uh, exciting to be back with you. I'm glad to be back. Um, If you are newer to Grace Church or if you're a guest uh, with us this morning, let me introduce myself. My name is Tony, and I am one of the pastors here on staff at Grace Church. In the past few weeks, I have not been with you, or I I should say I haven't been up front um, with you because uh, my wife and I um, got to introduce the newest addition to our family a couple weeks ago, and so uh, we had our baby daughter. I say we, I mean she. My wife had our baby daughter, and uh, and so she's now little Gracie's adjusting to the to home. We're adjusting to her. We have two older ones already, so we have uh, two boys, five and six, and so they're adjusting. They're trying to get used to being dethroned a little bit, uh, but we're having a blast with that. So I just want to say thank you guys. I know a lot of you guys have been praying for us and have uh, sent congratulations to us, and I just want to say thank you for that. We, we love you guys and feel so supported by it. So baby and mama are doing really, really well. She is beautiful. She is awesome. She is uh, a little fussy, uh, but she's still my princess, and of course, the baby's doing well too, so that's <laughs> happened. I had to go for it, right? So... No, but she is, she is incredible. So today, if you are a guest, let me just say, I think you came on a really great Sunday because today we're doing something that um, we, we actually only do once a year, uh, something we call the State of the Church Address. And basically what we do is we take an opportunity to kind of look back on 2015, on the previous year, uh, celebrate and just kind of remember some of the highlights of the things that God has done through our campus. And then it also gives us a chance to look forward and kind of anticipate this next coming year. And what I love about the State of the Church Address is it sort of allows us to get on the same page as a church. And so we're really excited about that. So I will say, if you are a guest this morning, you came on an awesome Sunday because if you're investigating grace, this will give you an awesome snapshot of what we're all about, kind of what our heart is and how we operate. I think um, maybe the best place to start when we talk about the State of the Church Address, many of you might not know this, that Grace Church is actually something that we would call a multi-congregational church. What that means is that we exist, we are one church that exists in four different locations and four different campuses. And so we have a Norton campus, we have a Barberton campus, we have a, a Bath campus, and then this that you're sitting today is the Medina East campus. And so we are one church that exists in several different locations, different campuses. Each one of those campuses is overseen by a campus pastor. And so I am the campus pastor here at the Medina East campus. And we are all overseen by um, a senior pastor of Grace Church, Pastor Jeff Bogue, and uh, just awesome stuff. And so we have this dream together. Um, all of the campuses of Grace Church, like I said, we're one church uh, with, uh, with four different campuses, and we have a dream that we share. And the dream that we share together is that we want to see 30 campuses planted over the course of 30 years. We call it 30 and 30. And so if you've been around here at Grace for a while, you've probably heard us say that, that we're, we're, we're dreaming of 30 and 30. We're aiming at 30 and 30. Our hope is um, to be part of a multi-campus movement that happens in the greater Akron area and throughout the whole world. That's kind of what we're shooting for together. And so today, this morning, at all of our campuses, we're actually doing the State of the Church Address. So this is happening at the other campuses as well. And one of the things that the campus pastors have done is we actually looked at Pastor Jeff Bogue, the senior pastor of Grace, and we asked him, we said, Jeff, would you be willing to maybe just shoot a quick video and give us a high-level picture, kind of a 30,000-foot view of what's happening at Grace Church at large? And so we asked Jeff to do that. Jeff has done that. And so I just want to show you that this morning. What we're going to do is I want to show you an eight-minute video um, that Pastor Jeff shot that's basically just sort of an overview of what's happening at Grace Church at large. And then after that video, I'm going to get up and I'm going to talk more specifically, kind of hear about the Medina East Campus and what that means for us. All right. So let's watch this video together. This is going to be Pastor Jeff. Some of you may not know him. He is the senior pastor of Grace Church. He's an incredible leader, incredible visionary. Obviously, not nearly as pleasing to the eye, but you'll get over that um, as you watch this video. So let's, let's check out this video, and then I'll come back up. It's been an incredible year here at Grace Church, and I love the purpose of our church. We are a gospel-centered movement that seeks to help people know Jesus by knowing it, living it, and giving it away. And we will do anything to help Jesus make sense, especially in places where the gospel is not clear and accessible. And if I take that as the foundation of measurement to look back on 2015, uh, I can honestly look and say God has been unbelievably faithful to us and blessed us in a tremendous, tremendous way. Uh, We've seen over 300 people come to know Christ this last year here at Grace Church. Tons of folks be baptized, even more uh, go through discipleship, being grounded in God's word, 
tied into biblical community, all the things that are deeply valuable and really powerful in our walk with God are happening in great and awesome ways. And then we, we look at our passion to make the gospel clear and accessible in places where it's hard to find. God has opened up enormous opportunities for that as well. Uh, so when I, when I look at all of the inner city work that happens, all the global mission work that happens, hundreds of us who have gone on short-term trips, hundreds of us who volunteer uh, in uh, the harder communities on a regular basis, uh, the love and the presence of Grace Church literally is all over the globe, and the ability to help hurting people is a tangible thing that's a, a regular and a steady part of our lives. We do that in formal ways too. So, man, when I think of like Craig and Jackie Palmer, so proud of them. They're, they're on the ground full time in Chad, Africa now. Really proud of Mitch and Susan Sintic who are also now leaving and being going to be on the ground full-time in Chad, Africa as well. And of course, Doug and Jackie Jensen, uh, who are there in the Cameroon, and others of our missionaries, uh, Mark and Candy Ritzman, who are working up in Cleveland full-time, helping to start churches. You just look at the fruit of Grace Church and that we as a family can stand behind and support and send out those that we love and then stand with them as they advance the gospel. What a blast to be a part of that. And God is doing that more and more. And then I look through all of our individual campuses and uh, I just see a thriving, exciting church. I look at our Medina campus. God is working great things there. People coming to know Christ and be baptized. They are amazing with discipleship at the Medina campus. Uh, connecting with people, tying them into biblical community. Uh, they led the way on the E4 studies and just so proud of them, so grateful for all God's doing there. It's fun they got to get into their new building this year, and so that was a blast as well. Uh, I look at our Norton campus. God just continues to use the Norton campus and the Norton community in such a powerful way. They are really setting the pace for community involvement and integration. Uh, when you look at uh, all of the faculty and staff of the Norton School Systems, the police department, the judiciary, the FBI, and Grace Church uh, teaming up together to deal with human sex trafficking. What an amazing testimony to years of investment into a community and now a trust and a partnership that exists there. And I, I'm grateful for that. And of course, the Norton campus has led the way. They're the first campus to start a second campus, and so the Barberton campus, of course, is kind of our big win for 2015, and Jeff Martell and the team there at Barberton, it's incredible what God's doing. A couple hundred people a week going to a church that didn't exist a year ago, people coming to know Christ, being baptized, faithful servants of the Lord, doing the hard work, setting up and tearing down, and creating life groups, but doing it, and it's, it's, has, it's having fruit, and God is using it in awesome ways. And then I look at our Bath campus, and Bath is continuing to thrive. Uh, hundreds of people coming to know Christ, being discipled, uh, being baptized, uh, really leading the way in many ways with leadership development and uh, internships, helping to raise up the next generation of leaders for the movement of God. Uh, we got to open up the discipleship wing at the Bath Campus this year. That's awesome. Uh, and seeing that filled up uh, daily with people learning God's Word and being discipled in who He is and what He's about. So when you, when you take that collective effort that is Grace Church and you realize that we get to reach the world and reach our community, it's absolutely fantastic what God continues to do through us. And when I look ahead and I look into the next year and even the years to come, uh, we look and say our, our dream is 30 and 30. We want to see 30 campuses in 30 years. We have four so far, so we want to open 26 more. Well, I see God opening those opportunities as well. Um, we are beginning to interact with uh, a church in Ellet, and we're in the process of joining with them for them to become our next campus. And so, Lord willing, that will become a reality here in 2016. Uh, we're also together collectively 
really pouring energy and effort into raising up the new generation of leaders. We have 40 full-time students in our Moody program from all of our campuses. Uh, we want even more. Uh, we're doubling down, teaming up together to create internships and ministry training opportunities to raise up the next generation of pastors and missionaries and workers in the church. And when I look at all that God is letting us do, the movement of grace, where we can look and say, boy, if, if in two or three hundred years the echoes of what we do today are, are still happening because the movement of grace, this gospel-centered movement that God has ignited, continues to, to uh, spark and move and build the kingdom of God. Guys, it is, it is unbelievably fun and a deep, deep privilege to do that together. What, what we have here at Grace Church is unique. And God is building for Himself a powerful church. And our unity, our commitment to common vision, our willingness to sacrifice for each other and with each other, it's unusual. It really is unusual. And I believe that God is blessing that and is going to continue to bless it in great ways. Uh, when Heidi and I were praying about uh, starting the Bath Campus and then praying again about being the senior pastor of Grace Church, uh, we never prayed for a big church. I have never said that prayer one time, never prayed for a big church. What we prayed for was a brave church, a church that would step out on faith, a church that would take a risk, a church that would dream big dreams that were so big that God would have to show up in order for them to become realities. And God has answered that prayer thousands of times over. And so I feel so privileged and so proud and so honored to be a part of Grace Church. And I'm so excited about what God has for us in the future and so grateful for what he's given us this last year. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I, I get excited when I get a chance to hear about things that are even beyond what's happening here at this campus. It's cool to think that as Grace Church, we are part of something that's beyond any one individual, and we are part of something that's beyond any one individual campus. And so to watch what God is doing that way. It's also cool to see that there's a lot of activity going on in our Power Kids section. And so I don't know what that was all about. Did you guys notice that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But did you notice that one number was like 5,280? It's like... We have a lot of kids back there, so I don't know if that's what it is. But uh, it, is, it really is cool to hear about just at, at large what God is doing through our efforts together in the greater Akron area through these four campuses. And so I want to kind of narrow in a little bit, talk specifically about the Medina East Campus, about us, and sort of about what we're looking back at and what we're looking forward to. So uh, what you might not know about the Medina East Campus is we are now three years old. And so we turned three um, in December, so we're just a little bit over three. We began in December of 2012, and so this is actually our fourth State of the Church address. The first one we did, we were about a month old, so it was a pretty short State of the Church address. But basically, what we've done, and this isn't even really by design, it just kind of happened this way, is that for the past three years, what's happened is, before the State of the Church address, the leadership team has gotten together, the staff has gotten together, and we would kind of pray, seek God strategize and look forward to that next coming year. And then we would kind of condense down in one word, sort of what we felt like, this is the theme. This is what we're kind of pursuing this year and kind of the direction of what we're headed to. And so just to kind of review that, back in 2013, when we uh, first started our campus, we felt like the word that we kind of set the pace for us that year was this word grow. And we said, man, we're a brand new campus. We need to grow ministries. We need to grow as a campus. We need to grow personally in our relationship and our walk with Jesus. We need to really focus on that. And so we made all of our efforts kind of around that theme, the theme of grow. Then in 2014, we grew. And then we said, we grew, but now we don't know what to do with everybody. And so we said, this year is a year of systems. We need to start kind of putting different things in place to help connect people to the life of the church. We need to kind of um, help clean up our ministries and uh, kind of systematize some of those things. And so that was 2014. Then 2015, this past year, again, the leadership team got away, prayed, sought God, got with the leadership team, anticipated and strategized. We said move is really the next kind of the word that we're focusing on 2015. And so we realized we we're moving into the new building space, which we moved into last February. 
um, here in this auditorium. We talked about the movement of grace and what it meant to kind of fuel that movement to see 30 campuses in 30 years continue to happen. Well, this year, again, the leadership team and the staff, we were strategizing, praying, seeking God out and saying, what is kind of the theme for this year? What do we want to kind of focus on? And we said that really, as we anticipate 2016, we feel really strongly the theme that we're going to be going after this year is this idea of prepare. Okay, this word prepare. And I know that even when I say that word, it probably begs a couple of questions. So one question that you're probably thinking is, well, prepare for what? What are we preparing for and how? How do we prepare and what are we preparing for? And so I just want to take the rest of our time and kind of explain to you what's behind that. How did we get to that word? And then how does that direct us in 2016? So I want to show you a few stats. If you guys have your programs, you might notice inside of them, there is a sheet of paper um, that looks like this. And it has on it just a number of statistics and highlights from 2015. Okay, so you can take a look at that if you want to. You can read through that. Um, there is a lot of information on there for some of you. There might be more information than you care to know, and that's okay. Um, I actually just want to give you some high-level statistics. You can read through that if you want to. But just a few that I want to highlight for us to kind of help you understand what's behind that term prepare. Uh, the first one I want to show you is our weekend attendance statistics. So uh, one of the things that we know is that numbers aren't everything. We understand that. We know that uh, that paying attention to numerical growth and uh, on the weekend services is not the sign of health, but we also understand that it is a sign of health, that a church that is growing is, is a healthy church, a, a, a healthy church is a growing church, and so we believe that. So let me just show you a couple statistics here. The, the one with attendance is this past year in 2015, our average weekend attendance has been about 619 uh, people. And so over last year, uh, that's about a 42% increase and watching more and more people kind of get connected here to Grace Church. If you were to take the last three months that we had together, January, December, and November, the average would be about 689. And so we are watching more and more people get connected to Grace Church, more and more people um, uh, connecting on the weekend services specifically. And that's kind of happening. Another attendance statistic, we had a couple of record-breaking attendances for us this past year. Um, so this past Easter, we had over 1,000 people come and join us uh, for our Easter services. And then for Christmas Eve services, we had about 1,200 people that kind of came and got connected here to Grace Church. So again, uh, numbers aren't everything, but what I'm saying is we're watching a lot of people in our community um, and through networks of relationships and friendships get connected to Grace Church. So that's one statistic. Another statistic that I think is important to pay attention to is what's happening in our life groups. And so as you guys know, life groups are a very, very key part of what happens here at Grace Church. We talk about life groups often. What we found is that this past year, there's been 222 average weekend or weekly attendance at our different life groups that we have. So our life groups continue to grow. They continue to multiply. It's about a 47% increase over last year, uh, watching more people get connected to life groups. Now, I will just say this. It's probably a good opportunity to plug life groups again. Um, you probably hear us talk about this all the time, that if you're not in a life group and you're part of Grace Church, it is so essential that you get connected to a life group. We say it this way. You are getting less than half of what this church has to offer if you are not connected more deeply into a life group. And so if you're a person who's been coming to Grace for a while and you're the Christian ninja, right? You slip in and then you hide out in the back behind the poles and then you hide out and you kind of slip out afterwards. If that's you, while we're impressed with your stealthiness, which I am, um, we do think that you might be missing out on something uh, that God has for you, that life makes more sense. Christian life makes more sense if you can be deeply connected into the lives of other Christians, right? You're no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. And, uh, and God intends for us to grow together. Another statistic I, I want to throw at you is something uh, about our connection pathway. If you're not familiar with the connection pathway, plain and simple, the connection pathway is something that we have designed to help people um, kind of simply and clearly get connected to Grace Church. So this is what the connection pathway looks like. There's nothing sacred about the connection pathway. There's nothing holy about it. But again, it's just an effort that we have to get people to go from attending to involve, to help you get from the, from the, from the, uh, from the bleachers on the team. That's kind of what the, the pathway is intended to be. So the first step of the connection pathway is intro. Intro is a class. It's an introduction class where we talk about the kind of the mission, the vision, and the values of Grace Church. Get a chance to hear the heart and the history of kind of how we got to be here. 
After intro, we encourage people, their next step in the pathway is to go through boot camp. And boot camp is basically training. It's training on what does it mean to be part of Grace Church and how can we collectively kind of take our efforts together and use them in a synchronized way to make a difference in our community and in the world. And then the final step is SHAPE. SHAPE is actually an acronym. stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart, Ability, Passions, and then Experience. And basically what we do in SHAPE is we say, how has God made you? And we want to know your wiring. We want to know how the gifts that God has given you. I'm going to talk about how we can kind of fit those together um, to work together for the purposes of God. So that's the connection pathway. And this past year, we've seen a lot of people connect to the connection pathway. So we've seen about 135 people, um, not about, we've seen specifically 135 people um, connect to intro for the first time. From there, we've seen about 97 people complete boot camp. 95 people complete shape and then 75 new people who are connected to serving in meaningful ways at our campus. And so we're watching more people come on the weekends, more people get connected to life groups and more people get connected to the life of the church through the connection pathway. Now, like I said, there is a number of statistics that are there for you that I did not mention, and I would encourage you to read through them. If you have questions about those, you can ask myself or someone else on the team. We'd be happy to kind of help you process through that. But the reason that I want to show you that is because as the leadership team and the staff got together and we were looking at some of the past things that we saw this year, we said one of the things that's undeniable is that this past year is that God, for whatever reason, is collecting and gathering a group of people here at this campus, right? And it's obvious to see it. God is gathering a group of people here. In fact, for some of you, that's your story. If I asked you, how did you get connected to Grace? You would say, this past year, I got invited by a friend or a coworker, and I either came to know Christ for the first time here, or maybe for you, you know, you used to follow Christ, and then you've kind of abandoned your faith, but you've come back, or there's been a reawakening in your desire to follow Jesus, and you've gotten connected here at the Medina East Campus. For some of you, maybe you moved from out of state to here, and you're now connected to Grace Church, or maybe for you, you came from another place. I don't know what your story is, but what I found is increasingly the story of many of us is that God has brought us here, that he is gathering this group of people here. And I'll just tell you, that's exciting. And I'm excited about that. I would lie to you if I didn't say I'm excited to be part of a growing church. It's fun. I love being at this campus. I love being a pastor at this church. I love you guys. I really do. If I didn't, if I didn't have to work here, I would go here. I love this place. It's awesome, right? And uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal church, and the people are amazing at what God is doing. But listen, to stop there, to simply stop with excitement is short-sighted because I think whenever God gathers a group of people together like he is here, we have to ask a more foundational question. And the question we have to ask is this, why? Why is God, why is God in this time, in this place, building this church? Why is he doing that? And when I think about that question of why is God gathering us together, the place that my mind immediately goes in the Bible is to Ephesians chapter four. So I want to glance at that together. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to grab them with me, let's go to Ephesians chapter four for a second. So Ephesians four, uh, you're going to find that, by the way, if you did not bring a Bible with you, you're going to find Ephesians four on page 815 in those Bibles that we have laid out there for you. So you can grab those, turn to Ephesians chapter four and 815. I'll also say that if you're a guest or if you're a person that's investigating Christ and you don't have a Bible, you could just take one of ours, make it a gift from us to you. Okay, so Ephesians 4, uh, page 815. And what we're going to see in Ephesians 4, again, we're just going to glance at it briefly today for time's sake. But in Ephesians chapter 4, what you have here is one of the greatest pictures, one of the greatest explanations of what the church is and what the church is all about. It's one of the most incredible pictures of the church that we have in all of Scripture. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 11. And I'll also throw it up on the screen. If you want to follow that way, you can as well. So here's what it says. <clears throat> Talking about the church. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so let's just pause there for a second. I want you to pay attention to a couple things. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. This might sound obvious, but it's really worth mentioning. Notice it says, so Christ himself is the one who gave the church. 
It's, it, so basically, it, like I said, it's obvious, but it's worth mentioning. The church was Jesus's idea, all right? The church didn't originate from mankind. It's not an anthropological thing. It is a theological thing. It comes from God. It was Jesus's idea. And so the Bible says the church is from Christ, right? And, and so let's just get that straight here at Grace Church too. Grace Church is not any particular person's church. It's not Pastor Jeff's church. It's not Pastor Tony's church. It's not Pastor Seth's church. It, it, we're part of what's happening, but it is the church of Jesus Christ. It is his message. It is his mission. It is his spirit. It is his word. We are his people who have been given his gifts. It all belongs to Christ. And what we are is we are a collection of people who are coming together to follow him. And the moment we lose sight of that and it becomes about any particular person or anyone, any particular program, we're gonna lose out on what God is trying to accomplish through us, right? This is Jesus's thing. It's his idea and we're all part of it, all right? And so it's Christ's church. He gave the church, but then watch this next part. So Christ himself gave the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, what is that all about? He gave prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles. Now, if you dig into that a little bit, what you'll find is that those five spiritual gifts that are mentioned, those are spiritual gifts, those are leadership giftings. All five of those are. And so here's what it's saying. The Bible's saying is that Jesus Christ is the one who gives his church, and the way that he administrates his church is he gives certain leaders to the church to serve it. That's what he does. So that's important because some of you are like, listen, I don't need a church to follow Jesus. Okay, I don't need leaders. I don't need a life group. I don't need any of that kind of stuff for me to follow Jesus. Just me and Christ, me and my Bible in the woods. That's all I need, right? And listen, I would just say that sounds really nice, but it's just not true. Jesus never said that, okay? Jesus said that if you want to follow me, it happens in community. And it happens within the church in which he has designed. Now you can connect with God without the church, but why would you? because it's what God kind of intends for us to connect with. Now, here's what I really want to dig into, because this is the key. He says, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Jesus gave the church, Jesus gave leaders, and for what reason? Here it is. To equip his people for works of service. Now, I love that, to equip God's people, his people, for works of service. Some of you have different translations, and it says it this way. God has given the church to prepare, it's our word, 2016 to prepare God's people for works of service or to prepare God's people for ministry. Now, I'm going to geek out on you for a minute, all right? If you take that word, prepare or equip, and you pull that back in the original Greek language, it is a really fascinating word. It's only used a couple of times in the entire New Testament. And it is a word that literally means this. It means to mend nets. That's what it means to mend nets. It's actually a fishing metaphor. And so some of you might know back in first century times like this, fishing was a very common occupation. You had the Sea of Galilee and uh, people would oftentimes uh, fish on the Sea of Galilee. And the way in which they would do that, the primary way in which people would fish was by nets. And so they would use something called a drag net. They would take this big net, throw it on the uh, in deep water off the back of their boat, and they would drag it and catch fish. And another type of net they would use was something called a cast net. It's actually a cool kind of net. I actually got one. I figured it'd be kind of cool to show you what that looked like. So I went on Amazon, which they didn't have in the first century, and I bought this, uh, this cast net. Right, so check this out. I'll show this to you real fast. This would have been something that what the, uh, the first century fishers would have used. Very, very similar to this. The only real difference is that this one is made of nylon. Back then, they would have been made of cotton. Okay? So this is obviously a lot stronger than that. But basically, the way a cast net would work is you can see it's a net, and then it has um, these weights on the edges of it. And so basically, what they would do, they would use this in the more shallow waters, and they would take this cast net. Now, this one's kind of small. It's got a three-foot diameter. The ones that they would use had about a nine-foot diameter. And they would take this thing, right, and they would cast it into the sea. It's actually a terrible cast. And then they would um, pull it back up like this, and it has a mechanism on it that gathers the weights, and you would kind of gather the fish that way, all right? Now, now, like I said, this was a very common trade back in this time. In fact, some of you know that four of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, those guys were fishermen. And when Jesus met them, when he met them in Matthew chapter four, you know what the Bible says they were doing? It says Peter and Andrew were casting their nets, which meant they were using one of these things when they met Jesus. Guess what James and John were doing when they met Jesus in Matthew chapter four? The Bible says that James and John were mending their nets, mending their nets. It's the exact same word 
that's used in Ephesians chapter 4. In fact, to my recollection, those are the only two times that word is used in the entire New Testament. And I got to thinking about that, that the Apostle Paul says, Christ has given the church, and the reason he's given the church is so that he can mend the nets, so that he can use God's people for works of service. And I got to thinking about it, and I thought to myself, you know what? That's actually a net, if you think about it, is actually a really powerful metaphor for what the church is all about, for why there is a church at all. Now think about it for a minute. Let me just kind of explain that. So just a couple observations about a net and, and what it has to do with the church. There's just a few things. Here's a couple things I know about nets. Here's the first one. The thing about, I know about nets is nets are made of many strands. Nets are made of many, many, many strands. And the reason a net is effective is because you have multiple, multiple strands that are interwoven and are interlocked into each other, right? And its connectedness is directly contingent on its effectiveness. That's how a net works. And it's interesting because when the Bible talks about the church, it oftentimes speaks of the fact that the church is really, uh, it's, it's not something that we do individually. It's not a solo game. It's not a lone ranger sport. It's an interconnectedness of our lives into each other. We are interwoven into each other. And that's what the Bible says, what the church is all about. In fact, if you look back down at Ephesians chapter 4, notice what the Apostle Paul says in verse 15. He uses a different analogy to make the same point. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined together and held by every supporting ligament as it grows and and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what the Apostle Paul says is the church is like the body of Christ and all of us play a different part. We're connected. In a lot of ways, it's like a net. Our lives are interwoven or intertwined into each other. And listen, when we are interwoven into each other's lives, not only are we stronger because a single strand by itself is very weak, but several together are very strong. Not only are we stronger, but listen, we cannot fulfill the purpose by which God has created us for without each other. Our, our effectiveness is directly contingent to our connectedness to each other. And when we have broken relationships or when we run towards radical individuality and we don't practice the one another's that we see in the Bible, we have broken nets and we are not able to live up not only to the, the purpose that God has called us to collectively and the purpose that God has called you to individually. We do it together, right? So one of the things I know about a net, it's, com- it's composed of multiple strands. Here's another thing that I know about a net. Nets are created with a very specific purpose in mind. All right, if you look at this weird thing, this crazy net, this thing makes no sense apart from its purpose, right? The purpose of a net is not to just have a net. Like, it's not just to get this net and to showcase it. Like, I don't just walk around with my net and just be like, look at my net, check that out, right? The, the purpose of a net is not a net. It makes no sense in and of itself. The only time a net really makes sense, because this thing is weird and kind of bulky and gets tangled easily, the only time this thing really makes sense is when you use it for its purpose, because it was created for a very specific pers- purpose. And what was the purpose of this net? What is the purpose of this net? Here it is. The purpose of this net is to fish. That's why it was created. That was the designer's intent when he made this. Now listen, in the same way, a church by itself makes no sense. The purpose of the church is not just to be a church. It's not, it's not just for us to in, enjoy this, to come, and, and we should. We should enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. It's not just for us to come and, 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 and really love each other and enjoy. It's not the end purpose of why the church is here. What is the purpose of the church? Why does God even have a church in the world? Why is he putting, why is he gathering us together? And I'll tell you why. The Bible tells us. You know what the purpose of the church is? The purpose of a net is to fish. The purpose of the church is to fish. You guys remember in Matthew chapter four, Jesus meets the disciples, Matthew, and he meets, he meets uh, in the book of Matthew, he meets uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, and they're all fishing. And you remember what he tells them? He says, listen, I want you guys to leave your nets and I want you to come follow me because I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. And he uses a fishing analogy and he says, I want to take you guys and I want to transform you and I want to train you and I want to prepare you and then I want to launch you to prepare the church. And it's on these men that the church was established. And it was through the church that we reach 
more people with the good news of Jesus Christ to fish for men. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, you guys remember what Jesus said? He looked at this same group of disciples and he said to them, listen, on my church, I am going to, on you, I am going to build my church. And he said this, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see what Jesus was saying? He's saying, listen, my attack strategy against the evils and injustices and brokenness of this world, my strategy is the church. And for many of us, we're like, that sounds so foreign and weird. But Jesus says, that's my idea though. My idea is that I wanna wanna bring a group of people together who follow me. I want them to interlock and interweave their lives. I want them to love each other and care for each other and practice the one another's. But the purpose of a net is not just to be a net. The purpose of a net is to fish. And the reason that Jesus has gathered us together It's not just so that we can enjoy each other and that we can just enjoy church, which we should, and that's awesome, but it's further. He wants to use us for his purposes. God puts a church in the world because he cares so much about it and he wants to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to address injustice, to address brokenness, to get into the darkest places and bring hope and bring light to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. So Annette has a very specific purpose and so does the church. Here's the last thing I'll mention about Annette. You can't fish with a broken net. Broken nets make it really, really, really difficult to fish. That's why you need to mend nets. In fact, uh, back in, like I said, in in, uh, New Testament times, the nets that they had were made of cotton. They would break very easily. This is nylon, so this is pretty tough. But back in that time, they would break real easy. So it was a common thing that you would mend a net. You'd have to fix it. You'd have to address the brokenness of the net in order for its purposefulness to be, um, to be discovered, right? Now, listen, let me give you the bottom line. Bottom line is this. Every one of us in this room, we have a lot of different things going on. We're in different stages of life, uh, different circumstances of life. One thing we all have in common, doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, is this. We are all broken people. Every one of us is broken to some extent or another. If you were to take any life of any person in this room, and myself included, and you were to double-click on it, you would find that underneath the facade that there, is, there are levels of brokenness that, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are found inside of each one of us. There's relational brokenness. For some of you, your marriage is, is in a tense place. For some of you, there's been past things that have been done to you, and those affect you. You carry those hurts and that baggage with you into your life. There's brokenness. For some of us, there's personal brokenness. There's addictions. There, there, there's all types of, uh, of, of every insecure, weird thing you say to try to get attention from, from people, that we do those things. It's all because of the brokenness that's inside of us. Every single one of us is broken. If you're like, I'm not a broken person, well, then your kind of brokenness is the prideful one, where you think that there's nothing wrong with you because there's one thing that's true about all of us. It's that we're broken. And listen, here's the thing. We're not surprised by that. Not at all. In fact, we expect it. We're people for crying out loud. So I understand that we're broken, right? In fact, some of you that might be in here today, you might still be hung over from last night, right? And, and listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Please hear me on this. We would rather have you drunk in church than drunk out of church. Right? So make sure you get a designated driver to drive you here and home. And by the way, that's not a challenge, right? So don't be like, <laughs> challenge accepted. You know, don't do that. But what we're saying is we're not surprised by it, okay? Brokenness doesn't surprise us for a second. And so there's no reason for us to pretend like we have it together because we don't have to. We don't expect you to have it together. But listen to me. While we're not surprised by brokenness, we're not content with it either. We're not like, we're just a bunch of broken people. We're gonna be broken together. I'm like, well, that's not the vision of God's church. The vision of God's church is that a bunch of broken people come together so that God can mend us He can heal our broken places. He can heal the broken relationships. He can bring resurrection power to our addictions. And and through the community of God's people and through the leadership of God's church, he wants to bring us to a place where we are mended, where we are now interwoven and connected. Now, we're never going to get this perfect, but this is God's vision. Now, here's the thing, though. The thing is that God doesn't simply want to mend us just to fix us. He wants to mend us to fish with us. 
The end goal of the church is not just to address brokenness. It's not just to be healed from something in your life. It's not just to, to, to experience healing. It is so that we can be, it's so that we can be repaired by God, so we can be prepared by God, so that we can be used by him. That's what he has in mind. That's what God wants for every single one of us. He wants to use us together collectively. And if we stop it saying we want to address brokenness and that's all we want to do, we just want to mend our nets and that's the end of the game. Listen, no, no, a net is mended so it can be used. It's to be thrown in the deepest, darkest places of the ocean so that we can be effective for the purposes that God has in mind for us. And so this year, as we look forward to 2016, the word that we're focusing on is prepare. And what we mean by that is this that together we want to pursue what is it that God wants to do in us and through us together collectively. And we want to be prepared for that. And we want God to address the broken things in our life, not just so that we can be fixed, but that we can be fishers of men, that God can use us for his purposes to make disciples and to reach this community. And he can use our efforts to help more people come to know and follow him, Jesus. So what does that look like for us in 2016? Well, a few things I'll mention to you. A couple things you can expect this year that we are preparing for. One of the big things we're preparing for right now is we are really focusing on our Give It Away initiatives. And so what I mean by that is this. The past three years, we have done very, very little to, to uh, in a very concerted and a regular way, be involved with local and global partnerships. And so we don't have a lot of inroads into our community just yet. And so we said this year, we really want to focus on that. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're identifying two global partnerships and two local partnerships that we can partner with as a campus. So you can expect some of that. We're, we're going to be doing two global partnerships. One, uh, we, we started a partnership with an orphan ministry, a child, a child ministry, huge need in Uganda. So we're going to be doing that this year. In Mexico, there's a church planning network that we're going to be jumping in with. So you can expect missions trips. You can expect ways for us to get connected, to, to send resources, to use our energy together to help serve those things. In the community, we're also pursuing um, two local partnerships to begin with. One for sure is Oasis of Hope, which helps uh, pregnant mothers and, and those type of things, kind of works alongside of them who are in need and who are in crisis. And so we want to be a beacon of light in that place and to do that. And so we're going to be, you're going to see a lot of opportunities that way for us to get connected. And we want to be prepared for those things, to be prepared together to be used by God. Another thing that you can expect this year, we're going to be making a huge push to get every person who follows Jesus Christ connected to disciple making. All right. We believe that every follower of Jesus Christ has a ministry in disciple making. It's the great commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. And we have found that for many Christians in today's time and age, that makes no sense at all. Disciple making, unfortunately, has become a lost art. It has been confused. It has been convoluted. And we said, we want to really focus on intentionally, how do we train and equip for disciple making? And so this year, you can anticipate there's going to be regular ongoing training and teaching about disciple making and how can we who follow Jesus get connected to that. Another thing that you can be anticipating this year is we need to move this year to Saturday night services. It's something that has to happen for us. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why about that real quick too. Um, one of the things that we've learned, we talk about, we talk about um, this church working together to reach people. We have found that our weekend services are one of the greatest opportunities for people in our community to get connected to Jesus. For whatever reason, we have found that many people who don't know Christ or who are investigating Christ feel safe to do that here. And I'll just say, some of you are in that category. And if that's the case, let me just tell you, we like it that way. We like it that way. For you to be able to come and feel comfortable investigating who Jesus is without feeling condemned or judged for, for, for where you're at. And so we believe that. But because of that, the other thing that we know is, according to church statistics, when your most popular service is 80% full, you're done growing. And so currently right now, our 11 o'clock hour is our most popular service, which by the way, I should remind you, we also have a 9 to 15 service. I'm just saying. Um, but uh, we have found that this service is consistently over 80% full. And when you're over 80% max capacity in a room, it's full. Think about going to the movies, right? Remember when you went and saw Star Wars and the room was real full and you couldn't find a chair, how annoying that was, right? That, that's your cap. You can't grow past that point. And so we realize there's more and more people who want to get connected to grace. So we need to offer an opportunity for that to happen. And for us, the strategic move is moving to two Saturday night services. Now, when is that going to happen? I don't know, but I will say this. It needs to happen. 
by the fall. It needs to happen. The summertime in the church world is summer. We all live in Ohio. The weather gets nice and we scatter across the four corners of the globe. But then we always come back in the fall. That needs to happen by that point. Now, obviously for that to happen, to pull off something like that, you have to double all of your service needs. So, so volunteering is a huge thing. Children's ministry, band members. We need more, we need more bassists. We need more musicians. We need more drummers. It's always the drummer. We need more drummers all the time. If you play the drums, come talk to me, right? We need more people to make coffee. The people who make the coffee at this church have the most vital part of this church. It's the lifeblood, amen? It's the lifeblood of our campus. We need it, right? And so, um, and so those things are all needs. So let me just say this. Looking forward to 2016, I want to give you um, two challenges to two audiences. So let me speak first to those who call Grace Church home. If you are someone that you're like, the 90s campus, this is, this is home for me. I have a challenge for you, all right? And uh, if you look in your programs, you'll notice there's something that we call the next dashboard. The next dashboard looks like this. You go ahead and pull that out for a second. And I'll also put it on, on the, the screen here. So next dashboard let me explain what this is. You probably have seen this if you've been around. Let me, let me just take a moment to describe it. So on this, you will notice that there are two different big high-level goals that we are focusing on. One is Saturday night services, which is coming soon, and the other is the next campus. Now, we are not going to be planting another campus this year, but our hope is in the next few years that we are planting another campus, the Medanese campus launching out another campus. But basically, we, we have picked four areas, identified four areas. We've put a countless amount of hours behind this. And we said, we're going to pick four areas that we feel like we need to progress in. And we need to progress in these areas before we feel like we are ready and prepared to move into these next places. So let me explain this real quick. The first area is prayer. And what we said is, we said, listen, we want to be a campus where prayer is a first response and it's not a last resort. And we would be so foolish if we just charged ahead on these dreams and did not seek God continually through it. And so we said, we want, we want to have 250 people that are connected to strategically praying with us. And so here's what happens. If you are a person who wants to join that group, simply turn on the other side of that page, check that box that says pray. And what's going to happen is we're going to send you uh, regular emails and that consistently and creatively kind of talk about specific ways to pray. And if you can join us in that way, it's probably the easiest way to help us, but it's probably the most significant and important way that you can help as we kind of do this together. So pray. The next one is serve. So as we talk about serving, once again, um, in order for us to move to Saturdays and ultimately to another campus, we have to continually be watching more and more people connected to serving. So let me just say that if you're a person who's currently serving at Grace Church, I'm not asking you to serve more. That's not it at all. But if you're a person who's been coming on a regular basis and maybe you've just been a person who's been observing for a little while and you've been waiting to get connected, here's a great opportunity for you to get connected. And if you check that box, we'll get you through the connection pathway. We'll help identify what are your gifts, what, where, what, what, how has God wired you, and how can we kind of strategically work together on that, all right? And so you can do that. Then give Give, obviously, when we talk about going to Saturday services and give it away initiatives and we talk about those things, there's always uh, a financial component to that. Um, there's always a financial component to keeping the building open for another night, buying more coffee, hiring more staff, all those type of things that need to happen. And so what we're challenging, and again, some of you are already, already in a place where you're giving. And if that's the case, I don't want you to hear me saying, like, give more. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we want everyone who's part of Grace Church to be consistently involved in 4P giving. And 4P giving, as you can see there, it stands for a prayerful, planned, percentage, and persistence. And so if you're willing to join us in that, you can check that box. And uh, at the end of the service, you can throw it in the basket. It will fall up with that way. And the last one is make disciples. And again, we've said on this one that the backbone of what happens here at the Medina East Campus is through disciple-making. That's where the rubber hits the road. We believe every Christian has a ministry in disciple-making. And if you're a person who says, man, I, I, I want to know what that's about. I, I'm interested in hearing more about that. I want to pursue training and, and, and classes on what disciple-making is all about. Check that box, and what we'll do is we will point you to some of the trainings that we have coming up in the very near future to help talk about that and have the conversation there. So if you check that box, that doesn't mean you're going to go out tomorrow and just, you know, start making disciples. It just means I'm interested in pursuing that, and I want to be part of that, and I want to be committed to that, and I want to pursue that with you, all right? So I want to challenge you, if you're part of Grace Church, 
here at the Medina East Campus as we prepare, here's some very specific ways that we can do that together. One more challenge and then we're done. And this is for, the, for those of you who are not, uh, maybe don't call Grace Church Medina East Campus home. So if you're investigating Grace or if you're investigating Christ, here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you is, is just simply this. I wanna challenge you to come back. I dare you to come back next week and lock in for the entire Jonah series. Okay, that is a six week series and I double dog dare you to come check it out. And here's why. That this series, I don't know, I was telling the staff, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about any series than this one. This book is so misunderstood and it is so powerful. And if you're investigating grace, you want to know what we're all about, this is an awesome place to get connected. This is sort of an abnormal Sunday today. So next week you'll be able to kind of feel a little bit more what it's like. But listen, Jonah is also all about grace and it points to the gospel and about if you're investigating Jesus, that book can really help you make sense of what Christianity is all about. So I wanna encourage you to get connected that way. So 2016, it's awesome. We're excited about what God has in store as he prepares us for the work that he has in store for us. Let's, let's pray together. Well, Jesus, I wanna say thank you so much that you have launched a church in this world. It's awesome. Father, I think about in Matthew 16, Jesus, you stood in front of your disciples and you said, my attack strategy, my plan to address suffering and to address brokenness and to address sin in this world, to help bring hope and light is the church. Father, it's mind blowing because we live in a culture that does not believe that. We live in a culture that believes that the church is weak and is obsolete and makes no difference. But Father, you said, you said that the church is the hope of the world. And so what we're doing here today is not just a social club. It's not just coming together to be inspired. What we're doing is your work. And Father, we, we wanna open ourselves up and wanna ask you to use us. Father, address the brokenness in our lives. God, mend us, help us. Lord, take your resurrection power and apply it to us so that we might be used for your glorious purposes. Pray, Jesus, that you would interlock and interweave our lives together. The truth is, because all of us are broken people, it is messy. When we try to intertwine our lives with each other, we bump into each other, we make mistakes, we hurt each other. And so oftentimes we give up. But God, that is not what you have called us to. And I pray that we would not forfeit the vision that you have for what we can be because of our own hurts and our own pains. And so, Father, I pray that you would address that. And Lord, I pray you would use us. Use us to be fishers of men. Use us to reach people, to make more disciples who, who know you and follow you to find the hope that comes in you. And so, Lord, I ask you that as we pursue this year, that let your grace would be heavy on us, Lord. Thank you for every person who is in this room. God, you love them so deeply. And Father, we're just thankful for a chance that we have to be together this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.